Welcome to That Guy Game Reviews, where today we're going to throw a bunch of stuff in the blender and ask, will it blend? No, I'm not selling the Blendtec blender, folks. This time I wanted to kind of cover a few things. I've been jotting some ideas down, looking at some options, maybe see what I can do. Uh, kind of make a huge episode uh, and then in an attempt to try and get back on something remotely resembling a normal recording schedule, uh, here we are. And I'm pretty sure you can hear my dogs in the background, but that's okay. So, uh, of course, we're going to go ahead and talk about the gaming news, and then we're going to go ahead and go into a mix and match. We're going to talk about gaming pet peeves, we're going to talk about uh, saddest moments in games, we're going to do a little bit more imbecilic inventory, and above all else, just have a few good laughs. So, let's go ahead, get the drinks ready, and let's go. And now the gaming news. So first up on the docket, I see that Netflix is going to throw its hat into the ring to try and make a Bioshock movie. This is definitely starting to get interesting as I'm seeing a lot of video games that are being adapted for movies. Uh, for instance, Ubisoft's The Werewolves Within uh, recently got released on Hulu. Uh, by the way, I would say that that is definitely an interesting one to watch. Uh, more comedy than it is horror, but I digress. Uh, it used to be that Bioshock was actually penned by quite a few studios, ultimately getting canceled either due to budget issues or due to studios not wanting to touch that hard R rating with a 39 and a half foot pole, or even the folks had to take two interactive saying, hey, we're not going to go through and do this. So at that point, it's like, okay, now what? It'll be interesting to see. Keep in mind, Netflix is also going through and doing a movie based on Tom Clancy's The Division franchise. So, again, that one right there, that's one on my must-watch list because I am a huge fan of The Division, as y'all know. Um, I played through and beat both Division 1 and Division 2 and the Warlords of New York campaign. Um, you probably will not find me in a survival lobby because survival was the bane of my existence. But I digress. That's another argument for another day. Uh, one other article that came up, and this is kind of where I'm going to get on my soapbox for a minute. So, there's an upcoming psychological horror game by the name of Martha is Dead, uh, coming out here for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, etc. Well, they're already talking about the amount of content they're going to have to cut because a lot of people are getting kind of squeamish. Well... Right off the bat, when you hear the word horror mention anything, you're not conjuring up images of puppies and kittens and rainbows and butterflies and sunshine coming out of somebody's rear end. You know, no. When you hear horror, you think of things like Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers. Uh, you think Resident Evil, zombies chasing after you. Basically, you're pretty much thinking blood, guts, gore, and a whole lot of either profanity and or sexual imagery leading to people's deaths. But I digress. We are starting to see an uptick in a lot of controversy coming up on video games. And as a gamer, I don't really know how to feel about this. I mean, do I believe that the ESRB works? To an extent, yes. 
uh, because at least at that point, it's kind of a caveat in tour, let the buyer beware. But at the same time, parents are not going through and doing their due diligence. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some parents who will go through, who will stand up to their kids and say, no, you're not buying this game. End of discussion. You know, but you have those kids who whine and cry and yell and scream. Uh, Case in point, I'm going to tell you a quick horror story from my past working in retail. So the game Halo 2 came out. Of course, it has the M for Mature rating, which for those of you who might not be familiar with the ESRB, the Entertainment Software Ratings Board, M for Mature is 17 and up. Think of it as one year before you can purchase cigarettes, lottery tickets, and pornography. Well, I had a kid probably about maybe 13, 14 years old. I mean, looked like every instance of the snot-nosed punk you'd see run around the street. Well, he wants to go ahead and purchase Halo 2. And I asked him, I said, you know, do you have an ID? He says, no. I said, how old are you? 15? Sorry, dude, I can't sell this to you. You know, it's infamature and I would lose my job in a heartbeat. You know, because, yeah, retail shops didn't fuck around with that. So... About half an hour, 45 minutes later, this lady comes up to me is like, you know, what's going on with this game? I explain it to her. She tells her son, pick another game. He calls her every name in the book. I mean, seriously, folks. If I ever talked to my mother the way that this kid talked to his mother, my father would have basically smoked me right then and there. There would be no that guy game reviews because there would be no that guy. That guy would be taking a dirt nap. And rather than going through and saying, well, you know what, you're not getting a damn thing. If anything, you're going to go ahead and sell your Xbox to make up for it. She just looks at him and says, you know what, I'll buy it for him just to shut him up. At that point, it was a collective head desk kind of day. That was a three martini kind of day. And I mean, we're talking straight martini. But that right there is about the bulk of the time i'm going to spend on my soapbox here because there are unfortunately some less than reputable individuals out there if you're willing to go ahead and you know make sure that your kids on their best behavior that they're not doing anything stupid kudos to you but if you're one of the ones who lets their lets their kid basically get babysat by the games do us all a favor take your spot on the fail trail and with that i'm getting off my soapbox and that's the gaming news So now we're going to go ahead and kind of get into the meat and potatoes of the content here. I have in my hand a little notebook that I've been going through and writing different ideas, uh, different things in here. And I know some of these were episodes I wanted to circle up with other content creators on, but unfortunately schedules have pretty much given us the finger in that regard. So I'm going to go and start these off. And if you hear something that you want to add content to or something that you may want to disagree with me on, let me know. ThatGuyGameReviews at gmail.com. So the first thing I'm going to start off with are some of my gaming pet peeves. Now, you may have heard something similar to this with the late, great George Carlin, where he did what's called the complaint department. He even had an album dedicated to complaints and grievances. By the way... I will say George Carlin, one of the funniest minds in my era. A lot of folks, you know, know him for the seven words you don't say on television. But, you know, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. God rest his soul. All right. That being said, 
Number one, expert level players checkpoint camping. This is something more often than not that I have seen in the division games. Now, what do I mean by checkpoint camping? Uh, you may have also heard of it as spawn camping. Basically, you stand right nearby where a player is going to come in and you just proceed to kick his or her ass up one side of the street and back down the other. You don't even give them a chance to get out of their spawn point. You're just sitting there racking up points, racking up your manhunt level. And a lot of folks might say, oh, well, that's strategy. No, that's just called being a dick. You know, and I will tell you, yes, I have been a victim of a spawn camper before. And I know this is going to sound hypocritical, but I did spawn camp on somebody once. That being said, with this right here, I can at least justify mine because he spawn camped me and had pretty much had a hard on for my ass at that point. So I was thinking, okay, let me get this bastard before he gets me. You know, so yeah, kind of a six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. Now, moves defying logic. For example, kicking into a easily 5,000 degree flame, managing to not only put the flame out, but send the guy with the flame flying backwards. I'll give you an example of this. Using the ninja character in the ninja warriors or the ninja saviors, depending upon which one. I'll go through, use his little jump pack, have some little schmuck come up, throw a decent looking sidekick, and end up going through and sending my guy flying. Needless to say, I look at that like, what the hell, man? So, boss fights with no good loot drops. Man, oh man, Ashevitz, I am about sick to death of busting my ass to defeat a boss and getting two things, jack and shit. Take your pick. So, lag switchers. Oh my goodness, these have been the bane of my existence. You know, anybody who's played any kind of online game, be it PvP, be it, you know, head-to-head -head combat, lag switchers. Now, for those of you who might be unaware of what a lag switch is, basically it pauses the flow of data to where pretty much everybody on the server is left helpless. You can run up, beat the daylights out of somebody. You know, I'll give you a great example of that. Again, the division, where... I'm thinking, okay, I've got this guy on the ropes, you know, and I mean, I am really giving him what for. All of a sudden, two seconds later, I see my guy's down and he's just sit, sitting there laughing his ass off. So you did something basically that my four-year-old niece could do. You pushed a button. Whoop-dee-doo. How much skill does that take? All right, let's see. So console wars. I cannot tell you how many times I have been embroiled in some form or another of a console war. Now, do I pick my favorites on what I'm playing? Yes. You know, for example, I'll say, okay, on the PlayStation, I like God of War. Uh, let's see, what are some other ones? Um, Dying Light, the original one, because I had never seen it on Xbox and Switch up until later on down the road. Uh, now, looking over to ones like the Xbox, you have uh, your Forza games, you have Quantum Break, uh, you have Rise, Son of Rome, just to name a few. Looking over to the Switch, you've got the variable cornucopia of Mario titles. So, are there games that I go through and play on each system? Yes. But do I go through and just say, oh no, this is the only system for me? No. 
because if anything, I'm a gamer. To an extent, I'm a collector, you know, trying to build up my little area, build up my little man cave, as the old saying goes. Uh, so all these people who, you know, and I always, always, always get my whiskers in a twist whenever I hear PC Master Race. Because at that point, you sound like you're some genocidal maniac who wants nothing to do with the rest of the world. So if you're going to shout that in my face, I got three words for you, pal. The fail trail. And I got three more for you. Take your spot. All right, let's see. So I'm going to throw a couple more out here before I go into the next section. So people bitching about free games. All right, so I am going to go ahead and kind of cast some aspersions here. For those of you who might be unaware or those of you who might not know what the hell I'm talking about, Xbox and Sony both do some variation of a free game each month. Uh, If you're signed up for their online service, uh, I'll give you a good example. Game Pass. You know, they have a pretty decent selection on there. Last I checked, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 250 games that I could count before I started saying, you know what, I'm not counting this crap anymore. And then Sony will release two or three freebies each month. Granted, we've had some stinkers. You know, um, for example, one of the ones that to this day still has me scratching my head is Goat Simulator. Really? Goat Simulator? And don't get me started on that tangent of the Simulator series because I am... I could dedicate an entire episode to that. If anything, I probably will. But more so than that, they're free games. They're part of the service you're paying for. Might as well get your money's worth. I mean, who knows? You could look at something and just absolutely poo-poo it. You take five minutes playing it, and before you know it, you're running out to go buy yourself the collector's edition with all the little tchotchkes and monitos. All right, so that's enough on the complaints and grievances side. Let's go ahead. Let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll go ahead. We'll do a little bit of review action, talk about some idiotic inventory, and kind of go from there. So now I want to kind of talk about something that was a little bit more on the morbid side or something that just kind of got me thinking. I'd seen this come up with a couple of different groups I'm in. So I wanted to give you my top five saddest gaming deaths, you know, and I am going to say, yes, this is going to be very spoiler heavy. So uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and give you all five seconds to go ahead and go to the next segment And then from there, go ahead and go into the content. So, that being said, five seconds starting now. Ready? Okay. So, starting off at number five, the death of Dom from Gears of War. I will tell you that you see a man who pretty much has nothing left, feels like he's got nothing to lose... And at that point, it is very heart-wrenching. He knows that he's going to be reunited with his wife, but at the same time, you have a guy who was a beast and a half, and, you know, you're about to lose him. So it's like, damn it. Number four. This isn't so much of a death as it is a, as a tough moment. For those of you who might not have played Castlevania Lords of Shadow, I'm going to tell you up front. 
Gabriel Belmont doesn't get too good of an ending on here. He ultimately succumbs to the darkness and ends up becoming the new Count Dracula. To see this guy, I mean, basically see that he lost his wife, his child was taken from him, he pretty much got the shit into the stick by the order of light, and to all intents and purposes, yes, he died. You know, because at that point, the Gabriel Belmont died, and Dracula came up to take his place. Now, I will say that to an extent, seeing his heartbreak when he goes up against his son, you know, he tries to save his life, tries to tell him, hey, you know, don't leave me, ends up giving him his blood, and that's where we see the rise of the new Alucard. But, again, sad moment, man. Sad things you're just seeing, like, no! All right, number three, Leon Belmont must destroy his fiance, Castlevania Lament of Innocence. I will tell you, this one was a tough one uh, because you're fighting all this way through. You're thinking, okay, save the world, got the girl. Now I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to come back over here and kick this guy's ass. And then come to find out he's already bit your girl. And once you pass that magic barrier, you know, shit's about to get real. You know, seeing everything comes up, she realizes, hey, you know, I don't want to turn into one of those things. So if my life can save others, let's do it. Still, having to kill your betrothed, not exactly my highest things on there. Number two, uh, this one's actually going to be a tie. And this is all segueing off of Mortal Kombat 11. So the death of the modern Sonya Blade and the death of basically the resurrected Hanzo Hasashi. I mean, we all know that ultimately, yes, without Hanzo's death, we don't get Scorpion. But at the same time, you see where he really came a long way, going from a revenge-fueled specter to basically becoming best bros with Sub-Zero, even making him an honorary member of the Shirai Ryu. Well, you see that, and then, of course, you see Sonya's final farewell as a, you know, not necessarily from a mission perspective, but from a perspective of being a mother, you know. So, and then number one, the one that everybody's probably going to give me nine yards of shit for, but that's okay. That's what I'm here for. This would be the death of Eris in Final Fantasy VII. This is the one gaming moment I will openly admit had me tearing up. You know, I went through, saw what Sephiroth did, realized, okay, this so this so and so has got to die. So that's the top five saddest gaming moments. Let's go ahead and take another break here, and then we'll go ahead and jump into some idiotic inventory. So now we're going to come into another round of idiotic inventory. So I did a little segment on this sometime back where I talked about what I thought were either some of the dumbest or worst items in gaming inventory history. And I got some good suggestions from not only my listeners, but also from friends and family giving me ideas saying, hey, what gifts? So that being said, let's go ahead. Let's hit a few of them on here. So 
Um, and mind you, this is me just kind of searching around, finding different entries on the internet here, so I'll give my two cents on it if I have it. Let's start off with the laser from Contra. Holy crap. Yes, I agree with this wholeheartedly because your first instinct is you want to go ahead, you want to basically button mash. You have a wall of death right in front of you. Well, the only problem is the Contra laser pretty much just goes in and out like a freaking earthworm trying to move, you know? You could insert the obligatory penis joke here, but I think for the sake of my listeners, I've already got enough of an explicit content rating. Let's see. Now, holiday items in any game. I mean, it doesn't matter uh, which one it is. I mean, sure, I appreciate the fact that they're trying to get into the holiday spirit, you know, give you holiday-themed armor, weapons, missions, but ultimately, when the holidays are up, you don't see anybody using that stuff. I mean, to be fair, there are some points when you can use it to make a really dumb joke. Uh, For example, uh, one of the guys I was playing Division with, we were actually in the process of extracting, and I have some knucklehead decides he's going to come up, you know, we're sitting there, we got our weapons up, we're just BSing about life, liberty, and the pursuit of the funny, and all of a sudden this guy comes up, tries to cut our rope, and he's decked out in full Santa gear. I mean, we're talking from the hat down to the boots. Needless to say, I think that's the one time we can both get away with saying we shot at Santa Claus in one. You know, granny, yes, if you sent the Mel Gibson Fat Man iteration of Santa Claus after us, I think we both would have gotten our asses kicked, respectively. But I digress. Let's go ahead and move on here. So, uh, pretty much any kind of DLC exclusive or pre order bonus items. Ultimately, they're going to come up on here. Something that actually kind of has me think, and I'm going to segue off this for just half a second here. When Soul Calibur 4 came out for both the PS3 and the Xbox 360, both consoles had one exclusive character. And I'll even take it a step back farther with the Xbox, the GameCube, and the PlayStation 2 for Soul Calibur 2. There is one console exclusive character for each of these. So uh, if you're looking at Soul Calibur 2, PlayStation got Heihachi Mishima from the Tekken franchise. Why? I have no freaking clue. I mean, in all honesty, you could have gotten Cloud Strife from Final Fantasy because they'd done it before with Ergaz, God Bless the Ring. But I digress. The Xbox got Spawn. You know, and I will tell you, they even got Keith David out to go ahead and do his voice work. So I will say, top notch. And then, of course, GameCube got Link. You know, I mean, how do you go through, how do you pretty much foul that up? Now, going over to the Xbox and the PS3, on the Xbox, you got Yoda, and on the PS3, you got Darth Vader. Well, somebody over at Namco kind of smartened up and said, hey, we can go ahead and we can make some money off of this. I'm pretty sure probably they were facing some significant heat from Lucasfilm at the time, but, you know, then again, who would ever imagine Darth Vader wielding Soul Edge? But, all right, let me quit screwing around and get back on topic here. Ultimately, at some point, these items do get made available to you, or uh, they'll even lock them behind a paywall. One last case in point on this, and then I'll shut up about it. Uh, Shao Kahn for Mortal Kombat 11. Initially, he was just going to be a pre-order bonus, but some Yahoo over at NetherRealm decides, hey, why don't we go ahead and we charge five bucks for him? So, all right. Anyway, moving on that list here. The blue turtle shell in Mario Kart. 
This one right here, I'm going to kind of agree and disagree at the same time. So I'm going to remain as neutral as I can. When you're not in first place, blue turtle shell, freaking awesome. Kind of shakes up the game. When you're in first place, whoever threw the blue turtle shell is a dick. You know, I mean, there's even a meme that's been made about that uh, where they took a picture of Samuel L. Jackson, you know, leaning backward and said, whoever threw that blue shell, your mom is a hoe. You know, and I will admit, I've been guilty of using that line when I've been playing with friends online. But, you know, at the same time, six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. Come on now. And one last one on here. Paid experience point boosters. I personally will never understand this. And I would love for any of y'all listening to come in and tell me the point behind it. Because ultimately, you're paying for the game now you're paying for experience in the game that you could easily just i mean i know nobody likes the grind on here you know i can't tell you how many times where i'll be sitting there i'll replay a mission 15 or 20 times just to get the experience i need to be able to use a weapon or unlock another path in the mission tree you know so i get it the grind is real the struggle is real in that regard but why am i going to shell out five bucks just to advance two levels. To me, that's like nailing jello to a tree. Furthermore, my wife would go through and kick my ass if she saw me ever doing that. You know, she would look at me and say, Sean, honey, I love you to death, but you're an idiot. So, that right there, that covers us for idiotic inventory. And now I think I'm going to go ahead and cap this off with a reveal. So for the review, I'm going to do this in kind of two parts. I'm going to talk about how I got introduced to it, and then I'm going to review one of the items in there. So the Jackbox Party Pack. This is basically party games for the 21st century. It's a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie to you about that. You see people's creative sides. Sometimes they'll let their smart-ass flag fly. Sometimes they'll let their freak flag fly. You know, you really kind of get to see what people are up to. Well, in this case, there's actually been seven of them that have been released. There's an eighth one on the way, and already talks of a ninth one. Now, each party pack will have different games on there. Uh, for instance, in Jackbox 7, which is the one we're going to review today for the Switch, uh, there are actually a number of games that come up on there. So, I will say that I went ahead, I copped this for a good price. I caught it for $15 at GameStop on physical media. Um, more often than not, you're going to find a lot of these in digital formats, so ones like your uh, from your PlayStation stores, your Xbox uh, Game Pass stores, uh, Steam, just to name a few. So there are a few games on here that I'm going to go ahead and give you a very quick overview on. Uh, one thing I do have to give these guys a hat tip for is that they set it up to where you could play it off of your tablet or off of your phone. This is both a good thing and a bad thing because, you know, a good thing is that, yes, you don't have to buy any additional controllers, but if you decide, hey, I want to go ahead and uh, have my cousin out in San Antonio playing with us, well, you need to find a way to basically cast that to stream uh, either something like Twitch or YouTube or anything like that. Otherwise, they're not going to get the full gameplay experience. And some of those you need to actually be looking at the screen. So 
on to the games. Quiplash 3. This is a return to form. You can either see somebody's comic side, their smart-ass side, or their perverted side. You're pitted against somebody where you have to write a prompt, or you'll get a prompt, you have to write an answer to it. For example, uh, one of the most common ones I see is the first thing that Eve said to Adam was blank. And then two people will write their answers to it, and everybody votes on which one they like better. If everybody votes on one, that person gets what's called the quiplash, and in turn, a bonus set of points. Now, the devil's in the details. A fancy point and click that really tests your ability to cooperate. You want to get everybody in on there saying, hey, you know, we got this. You have some tasks that they brand as the selfish tasks, but you have to complete each day. Otherwise, at that point, you're in deep trouble. Talking points. This right here basically tests your ability to bullshit. Personally, I think this is probably a better one that you want to go ahead and play when you're drunk. You, you kind of take on the role of uh, one of those, you know, well, when I was a kid type things. Uh, now, Champed Up is basically a drawing contest with more of a Pokemon twist. You're basically letting your drawings fight it out, everybody votes. It's wild, it's interesting. And then Blather Round, you want to go ahead and kind of put your improv skills to the test. You're looking to see, uh, Basically, in the immortal words of Mel Brooks, who the better bullshit artist is. So, uh, again, one of the uh, big pros on this one, you don't need any extra controllers. Everybody can just play from their phone or their tablet. And, of course, multiplayer mayhem. Everybody's going to laugh their butts off. Trust me, I will tell you, there have been days where my ribs hurt from laughing so hard. Now, uh, to be fair, sometimes on this right here, the games can kind of seem like they're rehashes of previous iterations. Um, outside of that, really, I have no complaints about it. So my final score on Jackbox 7 is a 4.5 out of 5. Wow. Okay, so I really did flap my gums this episode, so... Uh, but to be fair, I have been a little remiss in my recording details. I know I told you guys when the year started that I was going to try and get back on something of a re regular recording schedule. It's just been a little bit crazy with work right now. I mean, you know, between tax time, folks trying to find where their stimulus payments are at. It's just, it's obscene. You know, I mean, I come home at the end of the day, my wife looks at me and says, you look like you need to go play some video games. So... But, you know what they say, it's no excuse. Uh, once you're a content creator, you got a duty to your fans. So, you know, to my fans, I thank you guys for standing by me. You know, I appreciate it. I got nothing but love for y'all. Um, as always, I'm always welcome to hear your thoughts. ThatGuyGameReviews at gmail.com, facebook.com slash ThatGuyGameReviews. Um, and I'm seriously thinking about sending up like some kind of a Google voice number. Uh, but in the meantime, if you want to leave me a voice message, uh, anchor.fm slash messages slash that guy game reviews and speaking of anchor a huge hat tip to them for going through host of the show uh, if you ever want to get into making a podcast this is the best way to do it you know i mean tell you you're looking free no fuss no muss and you know hey for free 99 you can't ask for too much more than that on that note this has been sean from that guy game reviews y'all be safe be good to one another and i'll see you next time